He told this next parable against those who trusted in their own righteousness, standing and who despised others. Two men, he said, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed in this way to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, greedy, unjust, immoral, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector stood a long way off and didn't even want to rise his eyes to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Let me tell you, he was the one who went back to his house vindicated by God, not the other. Don't you see? People who exalt themselves will be humbled, and people who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. They say, don't they, that familiarity uh, breeds contempt, and this is certainly a very familiar parable to many of us, I'm sure. With the benefit of hindsight, our easy agreement with Jesus' assessment of the, the comparative spiritual states of the Pharisee and the tax collector robs us of the sense of shock that this parable would have induced in the original audience. And it's that sense of shock which would have compelled them uh, to dig deeper into what Jesus meant. See, the Pharisee is portrayed as, as thanking God for his superior moral condition. And I suggest that we take him at his word. There's no need to translate the Pharisee's prayer as a sort of self-serving piece of propaganda uh, in which he points out to God, in case it slipped his attention, um, how superior he is to the other people. Uh, Nor is he praying for the benefit of those who might overhear him, since we're told that he prayed in this way to himself. So let's give the Pharisee the benefit of the doubt here and suppose that he is genuinely thankful to God that unlike the other people, he is not greedy, unjust or immoral, that he is in the habit of fasting twice a week and giving tithes of all he gets. In stark contrast to the tax collector, whom the Pharisee would naturally assume was was creaming a legal profit of his administration of the Roman tax system. Perhaps our Pharisee is genuinely grateful to God for the Old Testament scriptures that he's been taught from an early age. For the law and the prophets, whose precepts and example have formed his understanding of reality and how to live within it. 
Perhaps he is genuinely grateful to God for the familial, the, the tribal, the national, social culture that has made him the man he is today. And perhaps some of us can empathize with our Pharisee in this. Perhaps we know what it is to be thankful for Christian parents who raised us in a church-going family, who made scripture and the gospel part and parcel of our childhoods, especially if we never went through a period of doubt or, or teenage rebellion, we might well find ourselves thankful that our spiritual roots have preserved us from at least some of the, the harmful life choices and lifestyles that are on offer in our world today. And in that sense, we, we might find ourselves genuinely wanting to give thanks that unlike so many, we are not greedy or unjust or immoral. And yet, and yet, it is the collaborator, the tax collector, whose skulking demeanour tells us that he would wholeheartedly agree with the Pharisees' negative assessment of his character, who went back to his house vindicated by God. Because he had the temerity to reach out to a holy God from the depths of his own sin with a heartfelt plea for forgiveness. God, be merciful to me, sinner that I am. Now our Pharisee wasn't wrong necessarily in thinking that in certain ways he was morally superior to other people including the tax collector. The tax collector would certainly have agreed with the Pharisee about this. Nor do I think it was wrong of our Pharisee to be genuinely thankful to God for the advantages that he had over other people, including the tax collector. All this, we might say, is simply a matter of of our Pharisee thinking of himself in sober judgment, to borrow a phrase from Romans 12.3. However, our Pharisee seems to have forgotten that his many advantages are just that, advantages, rather than points of personal merit. He does seem to have forgotten that the important point of moral comparison is not between his own character and that of other people but between his own character and the character of the God who says in Leviticus 19.2, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. So our Pharisee lacks a sense of his own neediness before God and so lacks an empathetic sense of solidarity with the tax collector in his sin, and his cry for mercy. Our Pharisee has put himself in the position of looking down upon the tax collector and other people without remembering to look down upon himself from God's viewpoint. He has passed from sober judgment 
to being judgmental in his own self-righteousness. As Jesus says, don't you see, people who exalt themselves will be humbled, and people who humble themselves will be exalted. In sum, we should assess ourselves in sober judgment, using the correct reference point, which is the character of God and not our neighbour, whether or not they happen to work for the tax office. There's nothing wrong with genuine thankfulness for our advantages if we remember that they are advantages. But above all, all our relationships should begin with understanding the mercy shown to us by God in Christ. A knowledge of forgiveness that means we should never be described as those who trusted in their own righteousness and despised others.